Happy Monday and welcome back to Living in the Moment. Today we dive into part three of our Path to Caribou Culture series and I have been looking forward to this one more than anything. To me, the things we discuss in this episode are what makes TLS stand out truly. We are joined again by our president and CEO, Lori Dietz, our VP of Strategic Design, Ramey O'Brien, and our VP of Brand Delivery, Stephanie Thompson. We talk about our very purposeful shift in language and our brand promise and what it means to be a moment maker. I have learned that being a quote producer, it's a lot harder than it looks. We actually recorded this in person in our boardroom, which is such a fun energy and it went amazing until I noticed at the very end, nothing got recorded. So fast forward a week, these three very generous ladies gave me another hour of their time and we called this recording Path to Caribou Culture Part 3 2.0. In the end, it all worked out perfectly. We ended up talking about things within this shift that we hadn't covered in the original conversation, and I think you're really going to love this one. Thank you to Lori, Steph, and Ramey for dedicating more of your time than necessary, and I hope you all enjoy this next installment of our Path to Caribou Culture. Let's get into it. Here is Living in the Moment. Hello. How are we? Good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. It's good. It's a nice, nice day. Nice to be together. Yeah. So we left off with part two with a very um, good segue into this because we, Ramey, you had mentioned uh, that we shifted to be a brand experience center and we shifted our language. And then our most recent episode with Edward really focused on the importance of language and ritual. And I think that's an even better setup um, to talk about where we're at today. And that's our 2014 to 16 period of shifting us to a brand experience center, our our people as moment makers, our service pledge, our vision, our mission, and everything that we really ground ourselves on. So I just want to start, um, as we look at that shift, where did the need for that language really come from? Was there a triggering event that set it off? Was it an organic um, slide into it. What really made people go were more than just CSRs and were more than a call center, aside from that already being the idea. I think with Charlie's significant focus on brand experience, you know, it started with Net Promoter System, then really evolving it into the brand experience work. Um, we are feeling all along, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, we never felt like a call center or a vendor. And we always really sort of pushed back against that label because we were such a different, we partnered so differently with our brands because of our orientation to serving the customer. And I think that as that energy and focus ramped up, it was our opportunity to really shift the thinking around TLS as a call center to a brand experience center. And it just was timing. I think we were ready. And I I remember the day where I saw Edward at a brand summit. And I can't remember if they were called summits at the time, but we had a meeting, I believe it was Baltimore. And I had sat down and shared with him and I said, we are not a call center. We need to purposely. Um, And I shared all of our thoughts around who we are, what we, how we partner. And he helped us craft our first white paper, which was putting language around all of our 
I think, just thoughts and feelings at the time. And it was sort of a starting point for us. And at the same time, was it in and around there that I went to that lunch and learn? Yeah, but I think before that it was, um, we did that work, Stephanie did that work with Certipro um, yeah. and Beth yeah. and Paul and talk, right. really talking about, you know, we termed it the scriptless call where mm. we were giving the moment makers, you know, they weren't moment makers at the time, but we were giving them the ability to just listen and engage and understand what the caller was looking for. That's right. Instead of pushing them into a process or a script or, you know, trying to get what we need, we were just allowing the customer to tell their story. Right. Um, Steph, I know you spent a lot of time on, you know, ongoing meetings and kind of working through that, that shift. That was interesting in itself because that whole process really showed how um, we needed to stand out from other contact centers, like be who we really are um, in in kind of the brand experience. And it was because there was one call where, so so the process we did was we listened to a lot of sort of pro calls um, kind of with, with a committee and you would hear the person calling in uh, indicate what they wanted right out of the gates. And then you would hear our people put um, them right into this process funnel. Can I get your zip code? Can I get your name? Can I get your phone number? You know, what, what painting would you like? Um, when are you available? Like all of these questions. And, and then it became like order taker. Like, let me, let me get all this information in. Um, and as we listened to calls, we realized that uh, especially one stood out where the lady said, I, I, I'd like to get painters to my home. That's what, what she said. And we put her into this process to get her scheduled for an estimate when she had already decided she was getting the painting done by Certipro. So without having Certipro out, without anything, and it, and it was because people were doing all the research mm -hmm. before even contacting companies, yeah. she had made the decision. We said, you need a free estimate. She's like, and the estimate then was set out probably a week because mm -hmm. it was further out than it is now for Certipro. They're, they're quicker on, on the calendar. But, uh, and by the time the estimate came, the lady had already had another company out to paint her home. Right. And that's what really pushed that, that scriptless call along. And, and the whole purpose of that was take what they say document it, let them talk about their project, let them talk about what they want. And then before you close off the call, ask the major information that you need. Right. Right. And we got rid of, like, we got rid of validating every single piece of information. Like, do you spell, you know, um, Smith, S-M-I-T-H? <laughs> yes. You know, and, and it was, because it sound and 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 the funny thing about the validating is, um, they would validate but still type it in wrong. So so the validating was because we were making them validate. It was because if you didn't validate, you didn't pass your QA. So it was it was stripped right back to saying, look, validate the zip code, validate the phone number. Right. We just want to make sure those are key pieces of information, and then validate if you don't hear them. Right. Yeah. If you don't, if you know John is spelt two ways. Then, then validate it, and uh, and it and it just became a better sounding, better sounding call, and our people liked it better. And I think the customer really liked it better because you could just yes. hear the difference in the in the tone of the call, and it was all about 
putting ourselves in the seat of the customer. How would they like to engage with us, right? Tell their story, build rapport, because um, people are generally excited about projects that they're doing to their home, and yeah. right? And, and then when they get sort of cut off, yeah. I'm sure everybody knows what that feeling's like. I, I'm sorry, can I get you start by getting your zip code? All of a sudden, they t- kind of take the energy out of the sales, right? And to be able to just let the customer talk and you get most of what you need already, it's just all around a win. And I think we took the seat of the customer at the table with our brands after that. Like that started to become our role and we would help remind the brands that, listen, we need to think about the customer whenever we talk about processes or, and and it was about changing the operational-based processes to more customer-centric. And if you took care of the customer, you would in turn take care of the operations. So it was kind of just switching things around. So where does that line sit when it comes to having that conversation? Because there's there's a percentage of the amount that needs to be correct when it comes to the process and the information, and then there's the percentage of listening and, and following the customer. So where does the line sit if we maybe didn't follow a process 100%? We may hear from an office, we may hear from someone, but we listened to the customer and we made them happy. Right, yeah. That's kind of the innovate, that's the innovate pillar, <laughs> the innovate right? It is. Yeah. It's, yeah, um, it is a fine line. Um, and, you know, my role, I have so much contact with the brands and I hear about the mistakes. And, you know, you didn't capture that address properly and you didn't spell this properly. And there's definitely, that's also why precision is one of our pillars because you need to be precise. You need to capture as much as you can, um, you know, as confidently as you can, but not forsaking the experience the customer has. And that needs to be key. And that is our differentiator, is that we are moment makers. We do listen to the customer. We do engage with them. And you can't really engage if you're tied down by too much process. And that's what we're working, that's what we continue to work with the brands on, is how do we make it easier for the moment maker, which will make it easier for the customer which will allow more engagement and a better experience. The less we have to think about. Correct, which is why the whole consistency in the brand experience by brand is so important. And it feels like we are continuously talking about that, right? Where if you have 300 different ways to schedule an appointment or little one-offs by location, like by franchise owner, all of a sudden you have all this variable for error and the, the moment maker is too busy trying to remember what is the rules for this guy versus that guy, and they're not engaging, right? So, and it's it's just not a great brand experience overall for anyone because of the errors and the inconsistency and the strength of the brand is diminished. So it's all about what is the Paul Davis way? What is the California Closets way? So that there's as much consistency at each phase of the customer journey as possible so that the Big Mac tastes the same everywhere, right? Like it's that whole piece that we talk a lot about now with our brands. Yeah, they, the, the processes have to be realistic. Yeah. And, and the one thing, um, like through that whole scriptless call, I was ta- speaking to, like they have five minutes to speak with someone. Mm-hmm. And what are you really wanting them to do in those five minutes? And, um, you know, questions such as, uh, and this question, has always come up, you know, is there another decision maker um, that needs to be at the appointment? That was one of the questions that has been on all of our scripts at one point in time. 
And, you know, and the reason why it's there is to help the sales process. And it, that's understandable. Um, however, it's an awkward question. And, and it's a question that really just serves the, the brand. Yeah. It doesn't serve the customer. Right. And it was very, it's just being very clear and saying to the, the brands, like, you know, we just want to focus on questions that help the customer and uh, try to problem solve processes on your side in a different way. Right. So like when we're asking things for administrative purposes, um, and I and I still feel lead source is a, is an administrative need of the brand. Yeah. Um, but we we do ask that. I I feel that's a question that shouldn't need to be asked. But um, those are questions that help the brand, not the actual customer. Right. And and to me, that's brand experience is just focusing on what do I need to get this customer to the place where they need to go. In a positive manner. In a positive manner, yeah. And um, with our, the, the other thing to it as well with our people, um, it's really outlining what is a must and making sure those musts are like less than 10% of everything they need to do. Like here's, here are the five things you need to do on this call. Here are the 50 things that we would like you to do. But if you need to, like th these are the ones we're going to focus on. I think that's important too. Is just really making the need to um, a small percentage of everything that has to get done. And what really helps that, alongside having a consistent brand experience and processes defined that are across the brand that every franchise follows, and having the number of musts for our moment makers minimized, I guess to Steph's point, is also that's the only time that you can actually really leverage technology as well. So when you can when you want to put the proper tools in place to really enhance the experience for all stakeholders, the moment maker, the customer, it has to have consistent processes in order to be able to build the technology to make it scalable and consistent. So I think that that's also a gap that we work with our brands a lot on is until you get to that place of consistency, you can't actually build out your technology and tools. And omnichannel first contact is our, is our strategic initiative. We are driving towards being able to deliver an omnichannel experience for all stakeholders that interact with a brand. And it's, there's such a gap there in terms of being able to get there. And that's just having, having the customer's journey follow them mm -hmm. and making sure that we're not asking the same questions five mm -hmm. times. So thinking about um, this white paper, getting all of these thoughts down on paper and knowing where we want to go, how, how do you take it from that thought process and, and putting it down on paper to getting the people involved, creating the language, and putting it in front of them and making it stick? That's a big question. <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, and I think we started, like, all of these things started to happen all at the same time. So all of these opportunities and sort of space to go there started to present themselves. And I think that, you know, was it the service pledge that kind of came next after the work with CertiPro? Yeah, but it was after you... Went to that lunch and learn. Yeah, and so Tim and I went to um, Toronto for a day to look at the data center. And Avaya was our phone system provider at the time, and they were doing this lunch and learn. And we popped in there just to see our partner. And they had this guest speaker um, there. His name's John DeJulius. And, and he his organization, they focus a lot on, on building uh, out 
customer experience um, and really focus on their own path to developing a, a great brand experience for a, for a brand. And he was working with Lexus and Ritz-Carlton and a bunch of different high-end brands at the time. And he was talking about how he helped Starbucks build the credo for the bar baristas on the inside of their green apron. And how it was something, it was a pledge that everyone understood their role and, and took meaning from the job that they were there to do. And it was very simple and clear and they were aligned on it and it brought personal meaning. And, and they could do it on every, every single interaction. Absolutely. So it wasn't a vision no, or was a mission. It was achievable. It was achievable every single interaction. Yeah, and it was, it was their commitment to what they were doing, right? And, and I found that fascinating. And it got me thinking a lot about how hard it is to connect to the vision and the mission of an organization when you can't always necessarily impact those in your day-to-day -day, and that this was a missing piece that we needed. And then he went on to talk about this gentleman named David Wagner who wrote a book called Life as a Daymaker, which of course I had to promptly go back and, and purchase. And this gentleman owns a number of hair salons and he was basically where he, life as a daymaker came from, He's, he was a hairstylist. He'd have people come in and sit in his chair and leave countless times every single day, year over year, and as did each of his stylists. And one day he had a woman come and sit in his chair, and he doesn't know why, but he just started to talk to her. And they had a really amazing conversation where he left feeling fulfilled. She had a great interaction, and it was just, he, he started to realize, he's like, oh, you know, it, I got to cut their hair anyway. I'm going to be here doing the job. I may as well enjoy it and connect with people, right? And what happened a couple months later, this woman came back to visit him and thanked him for the time that he took out of his day to connect with her and how meaningful it was to her because she was going through a very terrible time and she was coming in for her last haircut. And that in and of itself, that interaction just changed his entire perspective on his team, on his business, and on his own outlook on life, that we as human beings don't know what other people are going through. And we have an opportunity, and we make a conscious decision every single day with every human we interact with to engage or not. And we can really change someone's life. We can change our own lives. And it's just by being present and engaged in the moment. And so when we came back to the office, I shared this with our leadership team and suggested that we get um, a group of our moment makers to volunteer and build one for TLS. And that's kind of where the genesis of our, our service pledge came from. And I believe we now just call it our pledge um, as it's evolved over time. And the, the pledge ended up being, I create meaningful interactions by engaging in the moment. And from there, we went and planned a launch and put it on the walls, right, Steph? Yeah. Very painfully. Very painfully <laughs> put it on the letter. walls, yeah. Yeah. That was our innovation period, figure out how to put them up oh. one by one. Arts and crafts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the thought, the thought process there was, how do we ingrain this into our people? And that was to have it surround them. Mm -hmm. And so that, so we put- Because they don't wear aprons. They don't wear aprons, no, don't. right? And, or any type of uniform. So we put it on the wall, um, the whole service pledge. I got these decals made. Didn't realize they would come individually separated. 
Um, and then the pillar ones too, we had them going down the pillars and- Precision was off center. Was not precise. Um, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that memory no. for anything because it was myself and um, Albert was the one that did most of it. Uh, and then other uh, people that we worked with on a weekend, putting them up. Um, and it was, yeah, and it was good. And that was how we thought it would roll out. And then we did a, like a um, potluck. We got t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, and we thought, great, there we go. Yeah. It's out there. Here we did go. it. Here's the pledge. And we celebrated it. And then... Uh, we went back to work. Went back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking we did it. Celebrating yeah. success too soon. <laughs> Done. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So what, and what did we learn through that not sticking? <laughs> or how did you notice it didn't stick, I guess, is better. Um, I don't know if it was that it didn't stick. I think it was just, um, I mean, like Lori said, a lot of things were kind of just synchronistic and happening. And so I think, you know, that we did the pledge and we did the pillars and we rolled it out to our existing team. And then, you know, I think, what happened from there is we started to look at our mission and vision because it didn't really fit. We were no longer, I don't even know what our old mission was, but it was very stuffy. It was very, you know, kind of call center-y. And, and so we re-looked at, we used Edward's white paper that he had that he had created to pull some words out of. And, and I think that was really the next thing was, you know, our moment makers have their pledge. They have what they're striving to achieve on every interaction. Now, what as a company are we striving? Like, what is our vision? What is our mission? What is our brand promise? And so that's where we came up with, you know, genuine care as a brand promise. And so we started to, to articulate where the brand experience center was going to go. And I think going through that journey is what made us realize, okay, we need to go back and really start to ingrain, um, you know, the pledge, and and that's where Moment Maker I think started to to come out of as well because CSR didn't fit a customer service rep didn't fit with I create meaningful interactions by engaging in the moment. So, and then the words from Charlie too, like at that time, um, first service brands was also working on and using language like educate, communicate, collaborate, yeah. right? Like different building out all these different pieces that really lent to the work we were trying to do. And then as we defined the vision and mission to align, we had our pledge, we um, had these serving basics. All of these things were kind of, how do we connect them so that everyone understands how they fit together, like a puzzle, right? So that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Each part is valuable, but together they, they start to make a ton of sense. You can align with it as an individual. You can hire for a certain type of individual that really fits that environment. Like all of that stuff started to come together. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it wasn't that it didn't like, we, we stopped talking about it. Like we put it out there and then we just didn't really mention it anymore. And, um, but we had shirts that said it, right? That's what we thought worked. And they were on the wall. And they were on the wall. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, after we did all that work, like the um, moment maker came up and um, all that work, we, and, and I, I do think we were also getting more streamlined. And I, I want to add this because as a small company, and if I reflect back in starting in 2001, um, it's, TLS has always been a company that, um, 
you know, strives for personal development uh, or professional development, sorry, learning the skills, um, being uh, kind of entrepreneurish in your area. And as you're growing the small business and you're adding more people and you're adding more supervisors and managers, now you have these differences because there's really no streamlined way of doing things. And I think we were also at that point too, where now we're trying to fit this, here's our streamline over top of um, differences going on on different teams, right. um, which is I think what led us to doing a training video on what it's like to be a moment maker, taking people through boot camp, um, and really seeing, and, and Laura, you can speak to this, but really seeing the people that were gonna um, align mm -hmm. and people that weren't going to align. Yeah, it was fascinating when we, because we were our focus when we went to reboot and sort of reintroduce these concepts was a moment maker boot camp. I remember. I don't know yeah. which one of you two came up with that, and but it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. so awesome. We wanted the army of moment makers. Yeah. yeah, and it was so cool because it was all about embedding the language and walking the talk, and it had to become part of everything from hiring, onboarding, training, everything that we were doing had to be aligned. And um, when we were, launched it all, I remember sitting in this boardroom and watching Steph go through the sort of module and seeing people's face and like seeing people. And I, I was like, nope, yep, yep. You could just see who did not align because it was such a drastic shift, right? Because you were connecting with something far more emotional than we had ever done. It wasn't just a job. You have to like... You're, you're going to fit or you're not. Like you have an aptitude for serving or you don't. And that was a big piece of learning I think that we had. And, and one of the other things that came shortly after we understood the fit was some of our service offerings no longer fit, yeah. right? It was really hard to ask a moment maker to delight someone and create a meaningful interaction when you're doing uh, the third time calling the customer to try to get their lead scheduled because the last two times the franchise owner didn't show up to do the estimate. Yeah. Right? Like it's a bad experience for the customer and it's hard to ask a moment maker to do that phone call yeah. or, or do some of the services that we were doing that were not customer centric, that were operational centric because the brand asked us to do it to get more business on the calendar. Where had the orientation been shifted to support the customer mm -hmm. and put the customer at the center, those services are no longer needed. So that was all happening at the same time as well. So there's all these things that were happening where we were embedding the language, walking the talk, looking at our services, changing the job title of our front line, like of, of our, everybody in this organization is a moment maker, first and foremost, regardless of what area of focus you have. And it was just such a transformational time. There's so balls in the air everywhere. Yeah. And that takes us back to, Ramey, your point in the last part, too, of having those difficult conversations and knowing the strengths and knowing what we can do mm -hmm. and what is not good for us to do. Because right. it's not its not about what we can't do. We have the ability. Right. But it's not what we're going to do. It's not a fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't make our people happy. It doesn't make your customers happy. Yeah. Just quick little story side note that what Lori was speaking about, it was also just technically programmed to say, in the C CRM, if this lead is longer than this amount of days, pull it in and call it um, to schedule it. And then we also had another one running that if the, the estimate had passed and it hadn't, or if the 
um, estimate scheduled had passed and it hadn't moved to estimate, pull it in and call it. And so it, it like if one customer, when we called it the first time we scheduled it, it was missed, we would be calling again to schedule it. And if it got missed again, we would be calling it again yeah. to schedule it. But we don't know why it's being missed. But we don't know why it's being missed because it was just it was a brand program put in place that just wanted to ensure we were following up with people who missed appointments. Making sure slippage number was nice. Enough. Yeah. Right. So so that's where that came. It was yeah. when you look at it from a moment maker's point of view. Like I don't even think we realized mm -hmm. until we heard feedback from the moment makers. Like oh my gosh, that is like terrible. Terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. Because you can't like, sit there and gauge if that customer just had to reschedule because they're busy or because our brand person oh, didn't oh, show up. Oh, you can gauge it when the customer said, well, well, yes. please stop calling me. Uh, yeah. But so I mean, before time. the call. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe a franchisee forgot to to change the yeah. status yeah. in the system. That's right. right? Yeah. More times than not, it was That's an administrative right. task that didn't get done in the system. And then the automation just picked it up again. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. It was a very fascinating time. It still is. Every day is. You learn something new every single day. Hey, but. I was on a call yesterday about the new dialer and, you know, went through the same conversation. We have duplicates. How do we get rid of duplicates? We cannot be calling a customer more than once. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same, you know, 10 years later, same conversations. We, yes, it's great to automate things and it's, it's great to make it so that nobody has to touch the data, but not at, you know, the expense, the expense of, the of the customer. Yeah. It's interesting to always look at it from the customer's point of view. And and conversely, the moment maker's point of view, that's also very important. But first and foremost, it's like, what are we doing and how are they going to perceive it? Because maybe we shouldn't be doing it. Correct. And I think that's why team NPS and customer NPS are so important. Mm -hmm. Because like we, I know that team NPS is one of the core things that we focus on. And it is so important that our people's voices are heard and that they see change. Yeah. And I, I guarantee that we wouldn't be where we are without it. And the today. innovation suggestion box. In the innovation, yeah. Like that's a great catch that Val put in place. Mm -hmm. You know, who better to give us suggestions than the people that are doing the work, working with customers every single day, all day. Yeah. Right? So true. So boot camp and genuine care slash spreading kindness don't fit in the same sentence to me. <laughs> so how, what is a Moment Maker boot camp? This is a really cool camouflage t-shirt, Alicia. Yeah. Keep calm and moment on. So, and it, so it really came from Ramy, um, like she just mentioned an army of Moment Makers. So, so right, like, like the Ramey sum is greater, like, like yeah. the whole is greater than yeah. the sum of the parts. Ramey right? came up with the moment maker name, and um, and it and it took a while to get that kind of through. I think we were even like, no, that's that's because it's it was too kind much. Of, you said it laughing, like I remember yeah. a moment maker, you know, and this too much, and we kept going back and forth, and then we're like, no, let's do it, and and then Ramey just kept with the idea of uh, an army of moment makers, so. Um, so the, the boot camp or the training just really fed off of Ramey's vision of what moment makers are, what we want them doing or how many we want. 
right? And yeah, Army, I think I even said Army and Mullet Maker don't. <laughs> like, armies are like for, for war, and we really yeah, don't want to go to I war. Had more, like, you know? Jan- I have more like Janet, yes. Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation yes. like, <laughs> idea in my yeah. head, like the Mullet Makers. Yeah. Oh, and you made a video to, to like, mimic that with Mar- Don't you remember that video? Yeah, I didn't mimic the Rhythm Nation totally video. Cool. That was a little more, but, uh, but it was really more an army of love. Right. That's the, you know, that's what we were going for. Um, That that is where the camouflage T-shirt came from, where we have the keep calm and moment on um, with the with the kind of the hands in the shape of the heart. And it was, uh, I think, the second Go Animate video. So we did it in that the boot camp was really a video that they watched. Um, It was done in Go Animate so that you could create that very like fun, loving, positive um, kind of feel. It had Lori taking us through, I mean, by that time we had redone our our mission, our vision. It took us through that, um, gave some discussion points in between for, for the group. So we would sit in the boardroom, groups of maybe like six, six or eight, um, watch the video. We would pause to do groups while we were paused. Like it was a fun video. While we were paused, Lori was in her army gear doing push-ups <laughs> with a t- countdown timer, right? Um, to to offer we should, discussion. We should clarify, Lori. Go animate, Lori. Was well, doing push-ups. Yes, go animate, Lori. Um, they had a lot of fun and, with go animate, Lori. And uh, it, you know, and the discussions were, you know, what what does it mean to you? That type of thing. And that was the boot camp. It was maybe an hour long in these groups of six. Um, and then and then we worked it into our orientation. So it's just, this is how you get oriented to uh, being a moat maker. And I think we adapted it for orientation. The whole concept bit, is so. like being a force multiplier. The more that you have, yeah. the more impact you can have from a brand perspective, right? Yeah. And the, and the looks on people's faces in, in the orientations, um, back then, like when they would see that, they, uh, they'd be like, where am I? Like, it, it was like, it's almost like, oh my gosh. And a lot of people would say, I didn't realize you know, this is great. You know, like I thought I was coming in to be an agent, yeah. you know, and now I'm, I'm a moment maker. And, um, and it would say that at the end of the video and it would really get them excited. Yeah. And those were the only faces. I remember taking it to all the drivers. Um, we had a, an executive meeting at one of the summits after some of this stuff had been sort of established for TLS. And I was explaining through the TLS update, TLS is a brand experience center and this is what that means. And our people are moment makers. And the, the faces around the table was kind of like, pardon? <laughs> and, and you could just tell. And I remember Edward had a hard time with moment maker. Like I remember... It they was, really like moment no, maker. No, it doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't roll off the tongue, and there, there, there for for many, even for us, like Steph and Rain were saying, like we said it kind of laughing, but it stuck because it really embodied what we're here to do is to make moments, right? And 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 I love hearing our brands call our people moment makers. Charlie never made a mistake ever always called our people moment makers and brand experience center. And we've been very militant about trying to change language across the brands, right? Because we are not a call center. We are not a vendor. We are not a call center rep. We are a brand experience center with moment makers 
who are a t- part of your team, right? Like the, we we are on your team. And, and it was it was hard internally. It was hard internally, yeah, for like, sure. It was it was really like I think we uh, and the uh, some other people that were on our team would hold each other accountable. Yes. Um, in in a joking way, or maybe in a passive aggressive way, but <laughs> it was more, um, you know. Sorry, what did you say? Yeah. Oh, you know that type of thing. And and um, I've always said like the best way to get language in, ingrained into you is to describe it to um, a TSA yes. uh, representative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, where you're going through border security and they ask you where do you work and what do you do. And you explain it, and they look I'm at you like you, they look at you like you're, you know, on a substance, and, uh, and you and need to go wait over there. You need to go over there, but um, but I I didn't. So that's that's how I got it. Is that's like I I continuously said it, and I knew I'd be standing in line going, okay, okay, you can do this, you can do this, and and um, yeah. So it's it it was very hard. And a lot of people thought it was lovey-dovey and... And they thought it was, you know... Yeah. Too touchy-feely. Too emotional. Too emotional. Yeah. Right? But brand experience is emotional. Yeah. It's meeting the customer where yeah. they are. And that's what it comes down to. And, yeah. it's, and I think that's been the biggest snap for our brands as they continue to work through, you know, delivering an incredible brand experience for their customer. And mm-hmm. I still have to describe it to anyone who asks me. I'm sorry, what? What, yeah. is, it you, what is it you do? Yeah. What is it your company does? Yeah. And I still have to correct people on call center a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a so, lot of times people say call center and I'll say, no, we're a brand experience center. Yeah. I want to grab that because that's one of my questions. I have been a part of the TLS family from the brand side with my time with College Pro, but I've been immersed in TLS only with the language of Moment Maker Brand Experience Center. Like, to me, it's all that I know. So I cringe when I hear the word agent or, like you had just said, like someone walks in thinking they are just going to be an agent and it's so much more. So when someone does say agent or call center or, or one of those terms that would universally define what we do foundationally, um, what's that conversation like? How does that correction, so to speak, go? Yeah, I mean, I so my style, as it, as it was brought up on our morning huddle today, is apparently passive aggressive. Um, so brace yourself. <laughs> no, so I mean, I obviously it's you have to know your audience. With some people, you know, Ed Waller is a, is a prime example. Like he 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 just says he reverts to call center all the time. So and and I consistently brand experience center. We're a brand experience center and. You know, they get it. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know. And and I don't think, you know, the people that, that use those terms feel that, you know, the cringe that we feel. Because we really do. I do cringe when somebody says, your call center agent. No, our moment maker tried to engage with your customer, and I'm sorry they spelt the name of the street wrong. Like, it's it's really positioning again what we're here to do why we're you know why we deliver that exceptional brand experience and at the end of the day language does matter mm-hmm. and you know i i reflect on when anna you know when she said on on her the podcast she had with her about applying at this company to be a moment maker and her calling her mom and saying like they, 
they want me to be a moment maker. This is who I am. This is what I do. And really that's like, that's the clutch piece. That is what our moment makers are here to do is to make a moment and to be different than a call center agent that isn't really listening to your story. They just want to capture your data. So it's, for me, it's easy to have those conversations because you know, there's a purpose behind it and, and the clarification is necessary for them to really understand the value of what our people bring to their brand. Because we are trying to differentiate their brand in the marketplace one moment at a time, yes. right? That is, it is what we're here to do. And it's not something you can just go find with another vendor. It's different. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very similar with, um, like with, with the brands. I did stop. I used to say, like, correct them and say it's a brand experience center, not a call center. Um, in the most recent years, what I do is just consistently, like Ramey said, if they say agent, I say moment maker. If they say call center, I followed up with brand experience center. And it's just the constant, um, and, and then eventually they start doing it. But what I have found is if you have an opportunity to explain to them why moment maker, then they start calling the moment makers. And I, I had that opportunity um, a few weeks ago at um, Serta Pro BMAB group in uh, describing where moment maker came from. And I noticed after that, um, the um, people in the room that I would normally have them refer to as agents started calling the moment makers. And, and I think that's important too, is um, if you have the opportunity to describe the why. For internally for our people, I'm a little more direct. Uh, and I, I will either say, if we're in a meeting, I will either say something or I will um, have a private conversation and follow up and, and say this, like we can no longer say this word. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that's how I go about it. And it's funny, like even, so we've just been through all of this um, Genesis Cloud integration. So we were on hours upon hours of user acceptance testing meetings. And the partner that was integrating the solution, they started saying moment maker. They I were saying that. moment maker all the time. I noticed the they were time. even correcting themselves. Yes. They'd, yes. Say, they'd start they to would say, say agent, agent and they go, sorry, sorry moment maker. Moment maker. <laughs> yeah. And, and it is difficult because in that new system, there are specific areas referred to as a title of agent. Right. Like agent assistant. Yeah. You have to have the ability to refer to agent when it's a title, like when it's a module and refer to moment maker when it's referring to our people. Yes. And be able to easily swap back and forth. Um, and I found, I found that we we're doing a lot of that um, because I do feel it's important to separate what, like that type of thing. Mm -hmm. yes. Like we're not calling, when we're doing the programming, we're not calling agent assistant, moment maker assistant. Right. Because when you hover over it, it says agent assistants. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's, um, it was, it was neat that that dynamic started happening as well, um, where they were even interchanging it. Yes. Um, when needed. So that is yeah. a, that is a good differential. There's a very different, there's a big difference between the purpose and the role and the person. The person is the moment maker because that is the mindset, that is what we strive to do. The role within a system, you're an agent. Like it's collecting that data. Um, so that's that's very important. And 
in terms of explaining it, do you have a suggested elevator pitch of how you would quickly explain the why? Or just for anyone, anyone of our people that's listening or any of our brands. Like why Moment Maker? Yeah. I, I have a quick- To give that context. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I start with the um, um, kind of aspect of, you know, our company has a mission and our company has a vision. And those are like to create joy making behaviors by changing business results. It's, that's really like, that's what we're striving to do. That's uh, like, I don't want to say we'll never do that, but it's a, a vision is to, a mission is to keep a company going to the North Star. That's really what that's there to do. Um, but what can I do each and every day? Like, what is my job role and what can I do each and every day? And for our um, brand experience center, we want you making people's moments. You're with them in a moment in time and we want you to make them happy. We want you to turn their day around. We want you to um, really show them that we care so that they wanna go and spend money at the brand. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why you're a moment maker. So that's how I would pitch it. That's how, that's how I would quickly do it if I didn't have a half an hour to explain the whole process. <laughs> That's what we need. 30, yeah. 30 minutes of your time, you'll be set. <laughs> yeah, but it's just really taking, what do we want you doing? We want you making moments. Yep. Yes, you'll answer calls. Yes, you'll answer emails. Yes, you'll handle complaints. Um, but if you had to walk away from that interaction with one thing, it's to make someone's moment. Mm -hmm. And the uh, episode, where John speaks to the mm -hmm. Paul Davis, not the Paul Davis, but the Texas cat, where mm -hmm. all of the um, restoration companies were maxed out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, being able to make someone's moment by searching online and referring a different company, I think really embodies why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do, you, do either of you have any response for if someone says, oh, I was on the phone for a minute and a half, I couldn't make a moment? Is there a time limit or minimum to a moment? No. No, I disagree with that, yeah. yeah. I'd say, did, you, did they say their name? Did you repeat their name to them yeah. and let them know that you heard their name? Did they sound happy? Right? Yeah. Right? Like, there's no time limit to our calls. We don't, we don't say you have to be off a call within five minutes or 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and just to that, it's like, so when I've worked with, uh, moment makers before, like on qualities and listen, when you listen to a call, you can actually tell, you can actually rate the caller at the beginning of the call in the middle and at the end. And if you're on a call and they're happy, you're like, this is a 10 out of 10. Right. And then when you, when they start talking about a complaint and like, Oh, I think this is like a seven out of 10. And ooh, I said that bad word, now this person is a zero. Like you can actually, if you, if you really are engaged in that call, you can know how the person is feeling mm -hmm. by the words you're using and in everyday conversation. Mm -hmm. Like I've had conversations with people um, in this office and I'll say something and I automatically know that what I said has really yep. done something to bring them bring their mood down yeah and then it's a matter of trying to bring that mood back up by saying you know what did i say or yeah i didn't mean to say it that way you know and that that conflict resolution type of style and um that's that's, that's you're what engaged. i engaged yeah because you're engaged in the yeah. moment right that's what i would say to them is is make it a 10 out of 10. because you can tell when someone 
introduces themselves on a phone, a customer calling, hi, I'm calling because they're chipper, they're happy. If you don't respond in matching that tone, they're right. gonna fall automatically. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's so true. that was the whole piece around that scriptless call is someone calling in and being excited to get their home painted. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I wanna get painters to my home. Acknowledge that. They have this vision in their head, and that's that's what was in the video to describe. They have their vision in this head of, I am going to paint this room a nice violet purple, right? And I'm excited because I'm going to have a party coming up. And I want to I want to get my room painted. <laughs> I want pay painters to my home. Can I get your zip code? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, balloon yeah. deflated. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And now you're into this like order taking, and, and it just went shoom. Yeah. That's true. right. And, um, but there's also the other side of it too. Somebody calls in and they're, and they're busy yeah. and they're rushed and they need yeah. an answer to something. That's not the opportunity to, you know, really try to build rapport and engage because they're not, you can tell going into that call. If you match their tone, absolutely. I can get you to where you need to be. I need to collect some information that is going to make their moment yes. more than trying to build that rapport. Correct and you know, kind of create a relationship that that person's not having at that moment. Absolutely. Yeah, so. true. Visually, I don't know if you guys remember, you remember the video I did for the scriptless call? Mm -hmm. And in the later half, like the whole, the visual, trying to put a visual to what a moment maker could be thinking or feeling. And what we wanted them to is that when the caller gave a piece of information, um, they would take that and in the video, it's like a bubble. Okay, they gave me a piece of information and this caller, his name was Luke. And of course, me being a Star Wars fan in the bubble, Luke Skywalker pops up. And that's that's kind of yeah. what, what really we want. That's engaging in the moment saying, give me a piece of information and I'm gonna visualize what that's like. So when someone calls in and says, you know, um, my house is flooded, you bring that in and you, it's not a happy visual, but you're, you're the visual you for me is standing in water mm -hmm. And thinking, how am I going to get this water out of here? And that will match that that will match the caller calling in mm -hmm. and able to help. So even if it's joy, like oh, I'm going to paint it purple, you envision this, and and you get happy with them, um, or you get sad with them. Yeah. yeah, and that's the empathy piece, that's, and that's yes. a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's a whole other. That's an important one. Yeah, yeah but that's the sure. biggest part yeah. of our genuine care piece. Mm -hmm. um, so I typically will close, because I've taken far too much time, um, I'll typically close these out by asking how you live in the moment. We've heard words of wisdom from all three of you, so I'm going to ask which of our favorite pillar, or which one of our pillars is your favorite, um, and why? Well, for me, it's integrity. And it's I think that doing the right thing is is an easy way to stay focused every single day and knowing that you can look in the mirror at the end of the day and know that you did the right thing makes you feel good about the life you live. To me, that's one of the most important ones. And I think for me, it's um, the innovate pillar because it's, um, it's really going, giving the moment maker the ability to think outside of the process or think outside of, you know, the norm to really go above and beyond and try to make that moment. Um, you know, it can't, it can't be the wild west and, you know, they can't go rogue all the time, but, you know, having the option of like Stephanie said, when John reached out or 
you know, gave that customer other options, yeah. that's a perfect fit to the innovate pillar. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as a business, I think that's our one of our competencies is that we try to stay nimble and try to innovate all the time. And I love that we allow our people the same flexibility. The pillars mean a lot because they come up in every situation. Um, but the one I focus on the most is precision because I'm not the most precise person when it comes to written communications. Um, I feel I'm very precise in, in like training and articulating things. You're um, also a very precise thinker. Precise thinker. Yes. Oh, thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, but written communications, there, that has been a, um, an ongoing uh, skill that I've been developing. Um, so it's, it's, I, the reason why I focus on that is, is more because um, I guess you could look at it as what, what is one of the pillars that is your weakest, because mm -hmm. um, that stands out probably in everything that you do. Yeah, and living these pillars and doing the right thing when it's the hardest thing in the world to do, yeah. I think is really why these pillars are so important. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful close. So thank you for your time. I've definitely taken more of it than I should have, um, but I, I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for thank having you. us. This was great. Yeah, it was fun. And this was a really fun episode indeed. I'm having so much fun diving into what makes TLS, not only TLS, but what makes us special because we've always been special. I find it to be such an interesting dichotomy and balance between being so customer centric, but also taking the experience of our moment makers into account when building our processes and ways of doing things. I hope you were able to take something away from it. I know I now have Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation stuck in my head. Next week, we are joined by a special guest from Paul Davis Restoration to talk about the Paul Davis way and what it means to create a structure of consistency to impact the customer's journey. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tell two friends and have them tell two friends to subscribe. The math works itself out. Don't worry. We will see you next week. Sometimes you need someone there for support. Sometimes you need a little genuine.